and I was driving my car and all of a sudden I had these uncontrollable shakes. Like my body was like shaking so strongly. And I came home when I was at my parents' house at the time. And I told my mom, I said, I need to lay down. I don't feel really good. And Mm -hmm. the next thing you know, I don't remember the rest of it. They took me to the emergency room. And what I remember at the time was me looking down at my body being wheeled into the hospital, meaning I was out of my body at that point. And it was the weirdest experience because I can still recollect them pushing me in to the hospital and me watching myself go in. And the next thing you know, I, I must have came to, I was packed in ice. I had an extremely high fever. It ended up being a rare tick virus I picked up. Mm-hmm. And I came to and with ice and I couldn't even say my name. They said, what's your name? And I mm-hmm. mumbled something and I, it was pretty scary. And then when people say you're out of your body and you, and, and you have that experience, well, that was like, it happened, you know, and it was really mm-hmm. crazy. You're listening to the On Call Empath Show. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the On Call Empath. Today's episode, you definitely don't want to miss. I have a very special guest by the name of uh, Jim Prusak. Uh, he is the pain PT. Uh, we're going to be talking about some uh, you know, uh, heavy stuff from near-death experience, pain management. Um, he's going to even talk about you know, some of the stuff that he's done in the past that's uh, you know, actually worked for him. Uh, Jim, how are you doing today? Great, Raj. Thanks for having mm-hmm. me here. I'm really happy to be here with you today. Yes, I'm super excited. You're from sunny San Diego, where I used to live. I'm kind of jealous of that, but wish I can go back. <laughs> yeah, I know the sun's shining right now, so no complaints here. <laughs> so you've actually done, let's see, 10 marathons. Uh, you've had two near-death experiences and travel around the world. I mean, most people won't even do that in their whole lifetime. Uh, how did How did you get started in all of that? Yeah, well, let's see. Um, it, the marathons, I started, you know, I'm a physical therapist. So when I was doing my physical therapy training in Atlanta, Georgia, I went to Emory University. Um, I'd always done cross, I did some cross country running in high school. And then we had a lot of people in our program that were just, you know, started running. And so we started, um, you know, doing these half marathons. And next thing you know, we did a, we did a full marathon. And then before you know it, I was doing like a marathon to, to a year, you know, the Boston Marathon, the New York City. So it sort right. of went on for about five years where I ended up doing 10 different marathons. It's sort of an addictive thing after a while where you, you just get caught up in the whole thing of it. It was yeah. a great experience. To be honest, I wouldn't do another one right now. <laughs> the last one I did in San Diego, I... I swore to myself I'll never do another one. My my calves cramped up so bad. I was limping for the last two miles, and I go, I've done enough. Ten is certainly more than enough. Yeah, that's uh, pretty intense. Uh, I believe I had in one episode fifty nine. I had a Guinness Book World's Record uh, holder of a marathon. Uh, wow. So I, I tend to get like a lot of runners and people that like to push the envelope. Um, now, as far as your near-death experience, not just get off topic of pain, but like, how did you, um, what were those like for you? Yeah, those were, you know, when you ask these questions, what were, th- you know, three things that are, that have happened to you that maybe are different and I, that popped in my head because I forget about it sometimes. But the first one was I was in my 20s and 
I was living in New Jersey at the time and I was mount, I was mountain biking and I'd come home and I was driving my car and all of a sudden I had these uncontrollable shakes. Like my body was like shaking so strongly. And I came home when I was at my parents' house at the time and I told my mom, I said, hey, I need to lay down. I don't feel really good. And mm-hmm. the next thing you know, I don't remember the rest of it. I was going into, they took me to the emergency room. And what I remember at the time was me looking down at my body being wheeled into the hospital, meaning I was out of my body at that point. And it was the weirdest experience because I can still recollect them pushing me in to the hospital and me watching myself go in. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, I, I must have came to, I was packed in ice. I had an extremely high fever. It ended up being a rare tick virus I picked up. Mm-hmm. And I came to and with ice and I couldn't even say my name. They said, what's your name? And I mumbled mm-hmm. something and I, I was like, I, and I knew I was like, I can't put my words together, but I came back, you know, obviously, and it was pretty scary. And then when people say you're out of your body and you, and, and you have that experience, well, that was like, it happened, you know, and it was really mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. It's surreal. Um, I mean, I've never had a near death experience. I've had people on this podcast that have, well, some of them say that there was darkness, there was nothing. Um, and others say that, you know, there were, you know, there was this big light tunnel. Some of some, some people don't remember anything. Um, I had an instant, um, like th- two weeks ago where, uh, actually my father, he, he just fell on the floor, uh, and I heard this big thump, uh, and he was not breathing and there was no pulse. So, you know, obviously I, I ran up, I looked at him and he was like not moving. There was no, there was nothing, there was no pulse, nothing. So. I started CPR and I, I remember when I was, you know, pushing on his chest, I was just looking at him lifeless. I mean, I wasn't going through it myself, but like, it was just the weirdest, eeriest feeling. I just felt like, okay, he was gone for a minute. And then like, probably like six, seven minutes later, like life just sucked back right into his body. I I can't say I felt it, but I just, it was that one split second where everything went like nanosecond it was very very eerie and i could just feel like okay life was just given back in a certain second it just makes you think that you know life can be very precious you can lose it in a split second so um did you did you um did you remember anything did you see any lights or was it just total darkness yeah well raj that's pretty heavy what you went through so that's not (laughs) anyone to go through especially if it's a family member yeah, it was tough. Um, he came back, you know. Um, yeah, I didn't see, I don't, I remember it being kind of a bright, lightish. Um, it wasn't like there was any discomfort. It was just almost like um, like a movie as if, I, as if I was floating away, you know. Mm. I was going up like an air balloon, hot air balloon. And yeah. Then next thing you know, it just was gone. So I guess it went kind right. of black. Um, so it was, yeah, it wasn't, there wasn't a, like a tunnel or mm. a white light or anything like yeah. that. Um, the other time was I was, it was surfing actually in San Diego and a place called Encinitas where I used to live mm-hmm. in North San Diego County. And there were huge waves that day. And I was out there. I was probably a, above my league where I should have been out there, but I thought <laughs> I could surf these waves. I was in my twenties again, or maybe 30. And I remember this huge wave coming in and I was paddling as hard as I could to get past them, to get out to the end of them. And this wave mm-hmm. broke right on top of me and picked me up and threw me down as about a 15 foot wave. 
and I was underwater. And normally you're underwater when you're surfing and you learn to relax, right? You have to relax so you can get to the surface. But I was pushed so far down, I couldn't actually see or know where I was. I started swimming and I think I started swimming down instead of up. I was so discombobulated. Mm -hmm. And I finally stopped and I go, oh my God, like if I don't get to the surface here, I I don't think I can, I'm not going to survive. You know, I was at the point where I was was so far down and it had this image again pop in my in my head it said surfer dies at swamis and there's a survey called swamis surfer dies at swamis and it's like i saw my name on the front of a newspaper and i immediately said no 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 that's not me and like two seconds later i popped up and Mm -hmm. gasping for air and it was heavy you know then the jet ski came around and Mm -hmm. pulled me and two other guys into the beach and my surfboard mm-hmm. was somewhere far down the beach. But that, I'll never forget that experience. That was probably the scariest <laughs> one because there was such amount of fear and realization that I was so close to drowning. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, it kind of makes gives you perspective in life how short it it could be. And um, you know, as far as like this podcast, I mean, we got a lot of empaths and highly sensitive people. Um, you know, that have had you know certain you know things happen to them, near death experiences, and you know, especially the trauma, it definitely, you know, changes who you are. Um, I just wanted to just, you know, change some or switch some gears here. I know that you're known as a pain specialist. I've had, uh, you know, other um, people that are specialists as well. I don't know if you rem- uh, recognize Rebecca Tolan. She was on my show. Yeah. She talked about, you know, the uh, TMS. And in fact, that's how I kind of found you on the TMS uh, forum online. Uh, you had some great, great information, um, PDF files that you shared with uh, people in the group. I wish, you know, people could, you know, take a look at that and just, so I just want to pick your brain a little bit because that's what you're known for. How did you get into, you know, pain management and how does that coincide with what you do as a PT? Yeah. So um, it's a good question. So I, you know, being a PT for over 20 years, um, I've worked with pain for so long, um, seeing, you know, thousands of patients and I would have patients come in before I did this work and I couldn't figure out what was going on, why they weren't getting better like other patients, like acute pain or ankle sprains or back sprains. And it took me many, many years, probably 10 years to really understand it. And we we didn't realize that the brain and the nervous system play such a crucial role in pain conditions and chronic health conditions. And we didn't have the science, you know, back then. But in the last five years, we have a lot of good, good science that's come out that supports the role of the brain and nervous system and how it impacts um, chronic conditions and how it becomes the main driver of pain. So I actually also experienced some of my own pains, chronic conditions, chronic um, pains, chronic anxiety, uh, chronic sinus conditions, different, different knee pains and back pains. And so it started out by, you know, my own experience looking for answers and then also finding the work of Dr. John Sarno, which you probably have shared before with yeah. some other people. Um, his books opened my eyes a bit. And then mm-hmm. I went on just a journey of learning. I basically learned with some of the best people in the field, Dr. Howard Schubiner, mm-hmm. uh, George Oldfield. I think you had Howard, did you yeah. have Howard Schubiner on your show? as well? No, I actually didn't. But you know what? It's funny you mentioned his name because that's that's who I'm working with, with my pain recovery. And, uh, I'll tell you one thing. I mean, just real quick. I mean, I've had a lot of doctors that I've seen 
And uh, he's got to be probably one of the top ones that I've ever come across, especially being blessed to actually meet him in the same state that I live in, because I know you have to be in the same state for him to, you know, kind of treat you. But um, I was just shocked when I knew that he was just maybe a couple of miles away from me. And I'm like, wow, people, people travel outside the country to see him. And um, so, yeah, he's he's the modern day, like. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know how to put it in words, but Dr. yeah, incarnated, but probably yeah, maybe. <laughs> I I was just blown away with some of the stuff he was saying, and it and it's so funny because it's not like you know people ask me, well, how's he different from other doctors? Well, I've been to a lot of other doctors, and this is a whole nother podcast. But most doctors they don't have more than ten fifteen minutes, and it's not their fault, you know. Uh, because the healthcare system is designed that way to kind of, you know, get you in and out so they can, you know, see patients. Uh, my first experience with him was two hours. He took two hours of history on my, uh, you know, my life. And I think that in itself was just so therapeutic. And so, you know, I can't even put it into words. So, yeah, um, amazing. He, he, I've been there too. I've been there a couple of times to the hospital he works in and sat with him and listened to him interview patients. And he is quite mm-hmm. an amazing guy. Like you said, his no doctor yeah. does that, spends that much time with, um, with patients. So he's been a huge, huge inspiration, a huge um, sort of model yeah. for my work. Um, it's just like you said, it's a continuation of Dr. Sorno's work, but with a modern day twist, which is, you know, <laughs> that's what I needed uh, at that time, especially with my upper and lower back pain that I, that I have. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's, I mean, the evolution of pain science has changed so much. Like when I was, the other piece of the puzzle was, um, you know, I did, I did travel around the world world with my brother in the year 2000 and we went all over the place surfing. And one of the places I was, I spent a lot of time was Australia, which I love dearly. And I ended up going back a year later to do a postgraduate master's degree in in physiotherapy. Um, I already had done a master's, but that's where I really dived into learning uh, pain science and I mm-hmm. learned with um, a couple of really big heavy hitters, um, Peter O'Sullivan, who formed a thing called cognitive functional therapy. Mm-hmm. And then um, working with Laura Mosley a little bit and David Butler, learning some of their work, their big PT names out of Australia, really getting that foundation like, oh my God, pain, pain is not just like your body part. Like there's a whole right. neuroscience to this. So right. it just opened me up to to going down this path, you know, working in my own pains and then also mm-hmm. de- developing a program to work with other people. Right. And just before I go any further, obviously everything we're speaking about is just for, you know, it's, it's just our opinion. If anyone's experiencing any type of pain or medical issues, definitely see a licensed physician or a healthcare provider. So with that said, um, I wanted to ask you, cause I know a lot of people that are listening, there is a correlation that I found that I would say high as 90% of uh, most of the people that listen to happen through trauma do experience all types of pain that is mysterious. Um, and I've looked into this. I've had four or five different people that uh, are pain specialists on my podcast, including yourself. Um, what you, would you say is that correlation? Why is that number so high when someone's been through some sort of traumatic experience in their life? Why do they all of a sudden have jaw pain, back pain, headaches, you know, uh, fibromyalgia, like you have all these things that are popping up, especially later in life. 
Yeah. Well, it impacts the nervous system and brain. If you can imagine anything that's traumatic, it leaves a mark on your system in a mm-hmm. sense, and it deeply impacts that uh, limbic brain, which is your houses your emotional brain, mm-hmm. as well as your memories. And so what it does is it basically leaves a deep mark there that that brain now will sense maybe a danger going forward or threat when it's not doesn't exist anymore. Maybe it was at some point in the past, but it doesn't just get erased. And that's the thing we don't realize is, is that these, these traumas that people have, we bring them with us. They come forward as memories, but they actually um, translate into physiological changes in the body from the brain. So, for mm-hmm. example, if someone had, I'll use an example of a study out of Australia where they had people with, with multiple whiplash events from car accidents that were pretty traumatic. And they were having physiotherapy and they weren't really getting better. But what they did was they took these people and they put them through some psychology sessions where they had them revisit the, the traumas of these multiple motor vehicle accidents. And when they were able to process that stuff, all of a sudden they started you know, getting better range of motion, getting their strength back, mm-hmm. pain levels went down. So we don't have this ability to process like animals in the moment when we're going through trauma. We either go into shock, right, where we disassociate mm-hmm. or we're overwhelmed. Okay. So that leaves a, you know, it leaves a mark on the system, which a memory basically is a thought, a, a con, you know, conglomeration of thoughts with, with emotions. And if it's something that's traumatic, there can be a lot of strong emotion there. And people mm-hmm. are initially scared to go there because they go, I don't want to go back to that point in time. Right. But it's the processing of those feelings and memories that can actually be very therapeutic as far as reducing pain and also just being able to have less fear and anxiety when you're living your life. Yeah. Very well said. And you know, just to talk about anxiety that you just mentioned, um, I know that you you have been pretty open about that. Uh, if you don't mind just sharing with anyone that's listening out there, especially the empaths and highly sensitive people, how did you overcome your lifelong anxiety? Yeah, so the anxiety was a, that was been with me since as long as I can remember, and I think until I started doing this work for myself and other people, I just I probably didn't really look at it. It was just one of those things that was there. And I think I sort of unconsciously or subconsciously tried to avoid that feeling for so long or not, Mm -hmm. you know, do anything I could to not have that feeling come into my awareness because it's a very, if anybody who's listening um, or even if you Raj have experienced anxiety, it's a really uncomfortable feeling in the body. It's really like a real shaky, nervous feeling that doesn't make you feel very settled. And so yeah. your natural instinct or inclination is to, to, to stop it, to get away, to mm-hmm. flee or run or avoid, avoid anything that would cause that, right? So for years, that's what I was doing. I was trying to treat that. I was trying to find ways to reduce it in meditation and breathing, mm-hmm. all sorts of different things. And they all help. They all help to a certain degree. But the ultimate freedom for me, the biggest aha moment was when I actually started to realize that in, this anxiety wasn't a problem at all it wasn't dangerous it's just mm-hmm. a feeling that my brain was giving me based on previous things in my life it didn't have any mm-hmm. correlation to what was happening now meaning there wasn't any danger or threat a lot of mm-hmm. social anxieties around certain people certain things and so i started to just when i got that feeling i just taught myself to be okay with that feeling 
Mm-hmm. And that's very different from treating something. It's, 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 right. you can say self acceptance more than it's treatment. Of- well, I'm glad you share that and you're, you know, transparent, um, especially with, you know, everything that you do as a PT. Um, so, let me. I just want to give you a quick scenario here. Like, let's say I, you know, I I never met you, and I came to you, and uh, you know, here I am. I'm telling you, I I got all this pain. I'm very skeptical of this whole pain body stuff that people are talking about. I I don't really believe it because I've been through like the ringer with like 50 doctors, and they've all told me that I'm just going to live with pain all my life. Anxiety is just a part of my whole life that I'm just going to have to uh, live with. Um, so I don't have that much hope from the medical community, but I come to you and I, and I say, Hey, you know, this is what's going on. I know that you have like a different, uh, you know, you have a different way of dealing with, uh, you know, certain things, uh, chronic health issues. And, uh, what would you say that you do differently than what could you tell me to kind of get me to understand that? Yeah, I can actually heal and get better. Yeah. So I'm going to. First, start out like similar to Dr. Schubiner, really taking a history. Um, and I really want to know about the person more than I want to know about what problem they're dealing with. Um, actually, the mm-hmm. father of medicine, if you go back, was Hippocrates, and he said it's more important to know what type of person we're dealing with than what type of disease we're dealing with. Because mm-hmm. what the person has been through in their lives, their different events and scenarios and situations and stresses, really gives a good. Uh, perspective, a biopsychosocial perspective, we call it, to the brain and nervous system. So if there's been any first mm-hmm. childhood events, the person um, lives with anxiety, how they deal with um, their emotions and deal with their pain, uh, what their current and past stressors have been in their life. And I'm going to combine that side with the physical side to say, hey, what, 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 what are you dealing with? What happened to you? Um, does this make sense from a physical injury perspective? Because we know the body heals. Mm-hmm. We know there's a timeline in the body for healing for any condition. And if we mm-hmm. can rule out the structural, then we have to move towards the brain and nervous system because it's sort of the silent mm-hmm. piece that people don't talk about. There's no test for it. It's not like we can do it. We can do brain right. MRIs, but they don't do them in the clinical setting, only in the research setting. So we don't have, we're not able to to, to look at that. Uh, from the at the brain perspective, we have mm-hmm. to deduct it from getting a good history and putting the pieces together mm-hmm. to see if this is more brain nervous system or it's more of a structural issue in the body. Yeah, and it, to be so simple and direct, I mean, especially for somebody that's been going through the system in traditional medicine for so many years, and they just keep you know chasing their tail, um, and then. You know, and this is, I'm speaking for myself, you know, just I've been trying to get answers for years. And then it's not until I met a community of, you know, the TMS community, Dr. Schubner, I've been reading a lot of books and having a lot of uh, pain uh, specialists on my podcast where I'm starting to learn that this, there's an aspect um, in our brain that, that needs to be tapped in of like having someone listen to you to actually have someone sit down and understand like, you know, what is the root cause rather than just kind of throw some, you know, pain medicine at me or, you know, talk to me for five, 10 minutes and then, you know, write a prescription or give a shot, you know, on my back and say, okay, come back in about three weeks, you know, so it just, the cycle keeps going over and over. And 
and I know a lot of people that I've I spoke to here um, on the show. It's just um, you know they say that they're they're going through the same cycle. But what I believe is the legacy that Doctor Sorno left. You know, it's it, I, the stuff that he left is it's going to catch on eventually when you know people start talking about it more and they really look into it because you know. I know a lot of people that would say it's, you know, it's a bunch of like, you know, hogwash, you know, it's like you're telling me that it's all in my head and then they get upset. You got those, you know, that group. Uh, and then you have the other group that they've just tried everything. They're defeated and they're willing to try anything and they're open-minded. And so when they do try this and they see like small increments of like, uh, you know, that they're getting better, the pain is getting less. You know, why wouldn't you want to look into, you know, TMS and Dr. Sono's work? I mean, what do you have to lose? That's That was my mindset, because yeah. I was kind of like that hard-headed, too. I'm like, don't tell me that I don't have pain. Don't tell me that it's, you know, it's because of, you know, something that happened to me 20 years ago from, you know, a wrestling, you know, accident that's coming back 30 years now. I mean, but then once I looked at the research and, you know, pe- talking to people like you and, and uh, working with one of the best doctors in the country, <laughs> you start to really open up your eyes. So that's right. And it's actually what's interesting about it, Raj, is that Dr. Schubert will say this, is that it's not it's not taught in medical schools yet. It's not in there in mainstream medicine yet. It's going to take probably another, I don't know, 10, 20 years, maybe, because the science is there. It's this is not something mm-hmm. we're trying to make up or say it's all in your head. Pain's always real. The pain is actually physical. It's in it's in body, mm-hmm. but the reasons for it can go beyond structural localized mm-hmm. areas to the brain and nervous system. And a mm-hmm. lot of good science that supports that now. So I think it's just getting the word out and and, and not to say to marginalize it or to say it's in your head that you're your fault or or something like that because it's not. I mean, just how mm-hmm. the nervous system and brain works for everybody. It learns by your experiences and your life experiences shape your brain. And so we mm-hmm. have to take that into consideration when we're dealing with especially chronic symptoms. And now the other thing I always find interesting, and I'll leave you with this, is that the, what's the definition of pain? If you look at the International Association to Study of Pain, which is the the main body organization that studies pain. Mm-hmm. It's it's the definition is a sensory and emotional experience. So we forget about the emotional piece of pain. We we look at the sensory piece of pain. Where's your pain? Okay, mm-hmm. it's dull, sharp, achy. Where is it located? But nobody asks about well, how does this pain make you feel? Mm-hmm. And what was happening in your life around the time the pain started? Was there some emotional stress happening? Because the oh, yeah. brain That's huge. that process emotions also process physical pain. There's some overlap there. So mm-hmm. We can have this sort of influence of the emotional that mm-hmm. you know goes into the physical. Yeah, and I just want to point that out to all the listeners out there, especially the ones that are not just suffering emotionally but also physically. You know, uh, one of the things you did mention right now is what were you doing at that time when that onset came on? I know exactly where I was. I, I knew exactly when it came on, what, you know, I was out of a job, I was going through a lot of stress, and it's just one thing after another, the upper back, then the lower back, then the tailbone, then the, you know, the migraine, it was just, every day, it was like moving around, and I knew exactly, you know, what I was doing at that time, and how my mental state was, and I think that's key, you know, because for me, 
I just thought it was coincidence. Like, uh, I didn't know what was going on, but I knew exactly where I was and what kind of state I was and as far as my life and, uh, and what was, what I was going through at that time. So Jim, uh, before we take off here, um, if you don't mind, uh, can you just tell us, uh, where we can find you on social media? And if you want to just leave a shout out for your, um, website. Yeah, you can find me at the pain PT. Uh, I have a YouTube channel. I have a bunch of you know videos I put out for free for people, educational videos. Um, you can find my Facebook and Instagram handle there as well at the Pain PT. And if you want to reach out to me, you can go to the website, um, same address, the Pain PT. And then on there, you, if you have any interest or you need some support, um, you can you can find me that way. Um, and I just want to say to everybody, yeah, if you are struggling with, you know, chronic type pain or the conditions, there is hope, there is, there is help. Um, you just have to be willing, like you said, Raj, to, to maybe open up to a different viewpoint or different um, paradigm when we're looking at this stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time to, you know, come on my podcast and, you know, just uh, share some of your life experiences. It really really opens up especially personally for me because i know you can relate with the pain aspect as well so thank you again for being on the show you're welcome all right guys there you have it uh stay tuned for the next episode and if you can rate share let other people know that this might help them really helps me out so also check out my facebook fan page um links in the bio with that said always know that you're never alone we are out. You're listening to the On Call Impact.